This episode of the Productivity is Podcast is brought to you by Gantt Pro. Gantt Pro is an interactive online project management tool for people who love planning with timelines and Gantt charts. You can learn more about Gantt Pro as you listen to this episode of the podcast. I'm going to talk more about it during the show, but if you want to get $50 off when you sign up for Gantt Pro, just use the coupon code TIMECRAFTING at checkout. But again, stick around. I've got more to say about Gantt Pro during this episode. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, I am chatting with Bob Rosen. He is the founder and CEO of Healthy Companies and is a trusted global CEO advisor, organizational psychologist, keynote speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of eight books, including the one I'm holding on to in my hot little hands right here, Conscious, The Power of Awareness in Business and Life. And we're going to be talking about living a conscious life today on the show. You know, it's one of those, you know, whenever I get books and people that want to be on the show, uh, it's it's always interesting when I haven't really explored their work too much too much beforehand. Bob was one of those people, and as I dug into his work, I'm like, this is really really cool. Uh, he you know he's got the book grounded out there as well. But when we talk about the idea of being conscious and and being aware. You know that I'm a big believer in awareness as one of the kind of pillars of personal productivity. We get into all of that and so much more. There's a lot of ground to cover. So let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Bob Rosen here on the Productivityist podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Bob Rosen to the Productivityist podcast. Bob, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Mike. How are you? Really, really, really great. I'm feeling um, feeling really aware today. <laughs> Go figure. It's better than saying I'm feeling conscious because people are like, what? No, like, ser- <laughs> and it, it makes sense considering who I'm speaking with. Uh, you know, you are the, uh, you're, you, you and Emma Kate Swan have crafted this book, Conscious, The Power of Awareness in Business and in Life. And that's one of the things when I, when I, you know, when I speak about productivity and time management, I mean, I've got this, 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 uh, I'm looking across at my uh, office here and there's a uh, two little blocks that, you know how you can pick up those blocks that have sayings on them? They're like tiny little ones you oh, put yeah. on your desk. Mm-hmm. So one says create and the other one says awareness. And I picked up the awareness one at the Ottawa airport and it just stood out to me. And I said, well, the fact that it like just spoke to me means that I was feeling aware at the time that I looked at it. So I was aware <laughs> of it. I picked it up. But that's the thing. I think that um, productivity and time management, you have to have that awareness there in order for you to be able to make the best use of it. And I know we'll, we'll, we'll that's, I, you talk, touch on this kind of thing inside the book, but I want to, I want to talk initially about the, the crafting of this book and putting this book together. Um, what you, you, you did research, your, your company, healthy companies did on conscious leaders. And I want to touch on that right out of the gate because th- the, the term conscious leader, first off, I'd like you to expand upon that. And then secondly, what what happened when you found these people and started to, uh, you know, research what they did for this book? Well, you have to go back about 30 years. Um, I, I'm a psychologist and a businessman, and I've always been interested in the intersection of personal development, organizational development, and financial success. And one day I got a call from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, and they were interested in some of my work on healthy companies. And uh, they gave me a chunk of money, and I I developed a not-for-profit called Healthy Companies Institute. 
And during the early years, I was very interested in how great companies could be healthy, that people could get what they want from work and companies could get what they want from people. And it became clear to me that organizations are healthy only when the leaders are healthy. And so I started a research program where I went out and interviewed uh, CEOs. And since that time, I probably have sat face-to-face with maybe 600 CEOs of large global companies, uh, Singapore Airlines, Toyota, Boeing, PepsiCo, uh, Procter & Gamble. And, and the ground, the conscious message um, came out of those interviews and my coaching and our company's work in helping to develop great leadership programs and help companies transform over time. And so I began to notice that the very best leaders were a combination of self-aware and deeply committed to their own development. And what that enabled them to do is to see that you generally leaders, they have four strategic agendas, the finance agenda, which is sort of making money and managing money, the marketplace agenda, which is typically creating products and services that are relevant, that people want to buy the operations agenda, which is figuring out how to make the product most effectively and efficiently. And then there's the human agenda, which are the values and the purpose and the leadership and the culture of the company. And these self-aware people realized that the human agenda was the leading indicator. It was the driver of the value chain. And if you didn't get that human agenda right, you couldn't build a great company. And so I started to see that they were exhibiting qualities, um, both grounded qualities, which was my last book, which was called Grounded, and conscious qualities, which is their ability to be aware. And the more conscious they were, the faster they could adapt to all the changes in the world and the higher performing they were. So this has been a research project for many, many years, noticing how the best leaders excel. Now, you mentioned that, you know, the idea of when the people become conscious and that they have, uh, they kind of pull that into the into the ethos of their company and, and it becomes fabric of successful companies. You talked about how they were able to succeed faster. But to me, and, and I mean, I know you touch on this in the book, and I'd like you to expand upon this. There is an element of actually taking time and slowing down to become conscious and aware, right? Which I think a lot of people, and you mentioned this right out of the gate, is that the world is so frenetic. I would imagine that when you're talking to these conscious leaders, or when you're putting this book together, that there's a, a cadence or a pace about them. Is there a commonality that you see with people who are consciously aware? Well, I think one of the dilemmas is that the world is changing faster than our ability to adapt. Mm. And that is creating a great challenge because most people in those situations with the pressures to perform and to get ahead and to meet deadlines and goals is to run faster. Uh, but I find that conscious people, more aware people are those who recognize that they have to move forward in more intelligent ways. And that involves being aware of themselves, uh, being aware of their relationships, and being aware of their surroundings or their environment. You know, we've had a, a great movement in the, in the country um, paying attention to mindfulness 
And mindfulness is being sort of present focused. Uh, but what conscious is, is putting that awareness into action. So how can you be aware of yourself, be aware of relationships and be aware of your surroundings and the environment as you're moving fast? Because the world, everybody's grappling with the same six disruptors, the pace of speed and uncertainty and uh, the fact that the world is much more complex with more choices than ever before. Technology is an uber disruptor for everybody, competition and globalization. Um, so it's counterintuitive that you have to go inside in order to understand these outside forces. But that's exactly what's happening. And the very best leaders do that. Now, the, I, I was going to get into the six disruptors because, you know, disruption is, is you know, it's one of those things that you actually mentioned. That there's a line in the book that I really like, which is the, the path from clueless to conscious is paved with disruption. So, <laughs> which is great. Alliteration always. Looks good. <laughs> and, and, and actually, when I told you that when I was re going through the book again uh, with my, and my daughter and I were waiting in the hospital. Um, by the way, everyone, she's okay. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> is she liked that line? She goes, clueless to to conscious and uh, but there's four reasons you mentioned also that w like when you talk about change that we're not changing fast enough which again is like this age of acceleration that you mentioned can we dive into those four reasons because the six disruptors you touched on and i definitely i want people to be able to look into the book and 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 figure out which one of those disruptors or maybe several of them in a combination thereof are affecting them and, and their ability to uh, or their inability to become more self-aware and conscious but what are these four reasons that people aren't changing fast enough and then maybe uh, how, what, what they can do to kind of uh, overcome those? Well, it doesn't really matter, Mike, where I go, uh, whether it's in, in the United States or outside the United States, whether it's in a large or small company, whether it's uh, in a not-for-profit or government organization or a large for-profit global company, that their world is becoming disruptive. Uh, there's more change than in, uh, than I've seen in my lifetime. And there's a lot of pressure to move fast as, you, as we, we just talked about. So the challenge is that we don't have the right mindset for this new world order. Mm -hmm. And we have to change the way we think about change and uncertainty. The problem is that some of us are simply too shallow in our thinking. We're unaware, we're superficial what's going on around us, and some people actually are clueless. Um, others of us are too narrow in our perspective. We're too biased, too prejudiced, too closed-minded, and we're sort of stuck in steel bunkers with old assumptions and old mental and business models that just don't work anymore. Other people are too safe they're too protective or too reactive in their actions, and they're unwilling to take risks and to step up. And others are too small, and they're either too cautious or too self-centered in a world that is highly connective and collaborative. And so they become too small in their impact. And all four of these pitfalls have tremendous impact on us as individuals in organizations and in our communities. I mean, just look what's happening in our communities, the amount of polarization and partisanship and cynicism and mistrust across socioeconomic levels and gender and race um, and ethnicity. And a lot of it is because many of us are simply not conscious enough. Mm -hmm. We're not aware of ourselves and each other. And that happens in business as it happens in life. 
One of the other things you touch on in the book, which I really liked, was this idea of reflection. We tend to, you, you, you know, we tend to uh, get stuck in the in in the doing uh, of just what's coming at us, and we're not, you know, reflective enough either a in the moment or b looking back at prior moments to figure out if we should be doing things in the first place. Can we talk a bit about how important reflection is when it comes to awareness and, and consciousness? Well, I think many of us. Uh, most of us uh, grew up in a world that prioritized and reinforced action over introspection. Uh, so we're rewarded for doing things faster than other people. We're rewarded uh, to getting to outcomes. We live in bullets and tasks. And in fact, and so um, the society doesn't really reinforce reflection. But in fact, as the world moves faster, we have to reflect more. So we present our, prevent ourselves from making stupid mistakes. And um, so these six disruptors are happening in the world. And at some point, we've got to take a breath and ask ourselves, is this the right thing to do? Um, there's something about getting clear about our intentions and then letting our intentions translate into action, which is really important. It's the heart of being conscious. Uh, so th this becomes really important. Now, here's the problem. We have an old definition of change. We've developed leaders in static organizations, and now we've come to realize that uncertainty is reality and stability is an illusion. Now, we periodically have to get off the train to take a breath, and we call that a vacation or a holiday or a mental health day or whatever. But um, what happens is that uh, many of us haven't made the shift to recognize that uncertainty is reality. So what goes with uncertainty? Well, we have to, number one, get very comfortable with being imperfect and vulnerable by definition, mm -hmm. because in a world of uncertainty, when we breathe, we are by definition vulnerable. We don't have all the answers. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall down. And we have to get much more comfortable being uncomfortable. The second part of change is that many people see changes happening to them, a new technology, a new boss, a new company, um, uh, a fight with a spouse, and uh, rather than seeing changes happening for me. And when we see changes happening for me, we can step back and say, there's a reason why this change is happening to me. I may not be able to understand it, but chances are something good will come out of it. And so we have to fundamentally change our whole relationship to change in order to be effective in a world that is disruptive and constantly changing. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash ProductiveConvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. 
Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. We're going to take a break from the podcast to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Gantt. Pro. Now, Gantt Pro started as a project of an outsourcing software development team. They've planned more than 500 projects for their clients, and they know how challenging project management can be. That's where Gantt Pro began. It combined their experience with feedback from early users to offer a solution that integrates essential project management tools with maximum ease of use. That's a killer combination. They've created their online Gantt chart software that lets everyone build comprehensive project plans in just a few minutes, effectively collaborate on projects with team members, and set accurate estimates and track the progress of reports. Now, when you use Gantt Pro, you can also easily share charts and clients and colleagues or export Gantt charts to include them in your presentations, report, and business plans. There's lots that Gantt Pro has to offer. Uh, it's got a simple UI, which I'm big on. Simple is so good. Simple uh, with drag and drop efforts. Just It's just effortless. Create your first project in just seven minutes. It's an onboarding process with a learning curve that is really, really short. And that's really important because there's so many apps and tools that are out there. So if you've got a, a really... Uh, 
uh, a learning curve that isn't so steep. It's super helpful. Now, it's a perfect value for the price as well, according to Captera, which is a, a, an online resource that lists tons of project management software tools. Gantt Pro ranks among top 20 of the most affordable project management software applications out there. It's a great fit for both project managers and their teams. Project managers love simple planning and other great features like workload, tasks, assignment, deadlines, critical path, and baseline. And teams can use it for online cooperation to leave comments, attach files, send notifications, and track progress and statuses. I'm exploring Gantt charts a lot more these days, and I'm doing it with Gantt Pro, and so can you. Use the coupon code TIMECRAFTING at the checkout to get $50 off when you sign up with Gantt Pro today. So go to GantPro.com, that's G-A-N-T-T Pro, Dot com and use the promo code TIMECRAFTING at checkout to get $50 off when you sign up for Gantt Pro. I'd like to thank Gantt Pro for sponsoring this episode of the Productivity is Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. The idea of bias that you talked about a little bit earlier and, and cognitive bias is a huge thing. I come across it in my work. You know, people don't feel they have control over their time. Uh, you know, you, you present them with interesting strategies and they say, well, there's no way I can do that. But then you actually kind of break it down a bit. And I think that's the other thing, too, is um, people don't break things down to their smallest increment. They don't try to, to see it at its at its uh, base levels. They'll think of, you know, I, I can't write this book because, look, it says write this book as opposed to what if I wrote 500 words a day, eventually I would have a book. Again, that idea of, uh, you know, action over over introspection. And you talk about the idea, like action is, you mentioned this, this is a quote right from the book, action is often the path of least resistance. Um, it, how do you get people, especially when they're reading, like people are listening to this right now, and they're saying, yeah, that's all well and good, but I don't, I don't have time to think about this. The world is moving so quickly. How do you, how do you help people uh, and how does this book help people get past those those cognitive biases or those other, which are there's so many of them, to to be able to break through and make uh, make the ability uh, for themselves to to be more conscious and be more aware. Well, I love the story of Paul Simon, uh, the singer. In 1984, he was like at a low point in his career, and he went exploring around the world, and he went to Africa. And he was introduced to the sound of African music, uh, to the, and he, he brought that forward to the rest of the world in Graceland. And he was an early adopter of cultural inclusion, for example, as a path to innovation. And he recognized that we can get very stuck in some old ways of thinking. And, uh, and that is a big problem in, 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 in the world today. Um, I think we, another problem is that uh, when we go online 24-7, uh, what we recognize is that the technology reinforces our biases. So the technology gives us advertisements that we want, gives us books that we want, and so it reinforces how we see the world. So we almost have to be conscious about trying to get diverse perspectives into our life. Um, that's the case with unconscious bias. And there's a lot written about this, but I think a lot of us bring, you know, here's an interesting statistic that 90, I think it's about 90% of what goes on in our head is unconscious. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about moving from unconscious to conscious. We're talking about moving from less conscious to more conscious. And if we could increase the level of consciousness in our minds by one to two percentage points, uh, we would be a lot more effective. Um, in the book, uh, the book is primarily organized into four practices. 
And uh, the first practice is to go deep. And I can talk about each one of them, but go deep is really a practice of being more aware and more introspective. Uh, One of the great examples of people who have gone deep is Oprah Winfrey. Uh, We've watched as she has lived her exploration to develop her open mind and open heart and to be more authentic in the world today on the public stage. And she basically would say, if I only knew how important it was to go deep and be authentic um, and how much money I could make by sharing that on the public stage, I would have done it a lot earlier in my career. So one of the things that she teaches us about going deep is that you got to really look in the mirror and ask yourself, who is that person in the mirror? Because many of us look in the mirror and we see smudges in the mirror that involve unclear perceptions of ourselves or other people. Uh, we frequently have biases and, and assumptions that don't work anymore. Uh, we come to our relationships and our own lives with uh, fear-based emotions that just undermine and hijack us. And, and also we're unproductive sometimes in the way we interact with people. So getting clear about who is that person that you're looking in the mirror is very, very important. The second part of going deep is really, as I mentioned, to get comfortable being uncomfortable. But, you know, we're not really taught in life to be uncomfortable. We're basically taught to run away from any discomfort and anxiety. So I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Just Enough Anxiety. And I, I said that, you know, anxiety is a fact of life, but how we treat it uh, and how we use it really matters. Mm-hmm. And if you have too little anxiety, it's the face of complacency and too much. And it's a face of freneticism and chaos, but just the right amount of anxiety. So we got to give ourselves more permission to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And then lastly is we've got to leverage our positive emotions. You know, we live with fear-based emotions, which are like sadness and anger and fear um, and anxiety. And then we're hardwired as well for love and faith and compassion and hope and optimism and generosity. And the really most successful people allow themselves to experience the full range of those emotions. It's not that we don't experience negative emotions or fear-based emotions. We just don't stay over there very long. So we experience them, we express it respectfully and appropriately, but then we want to move into our positive emotions quickly. So that really is the first practice of being conscious is to go deep. So if people want to go deep, and this is something I, I love the idea of, of um, you know, digging deep into uh, into yourself, into your situation, your emotions, all that stuff. Where where can people start? Is, is there a simple place where they can start? Because again, I think a lot of people would be, well, that just scares them to hear like, go deep. Oh, that sounds like it's going to take a long time or I don't have time for that. Where where can like, is journaling a place to start? Is there, and I know you've, you've got a couple of thoughts in the book. And I, again, the whole, the whole goal here is, spoiler alert, let's not give away the whole book. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, I mean, again, I, I've spent time with the book and, and I found myself nodding constantly. And, and this is a book too, um, as we, as I sidetrack a bit that you need to take time to read. And it's not something that you're just going to tear through once and leave alone. You're going to, especially if you look at the the book itself, the spine of the book says conscious, it's bright. The the color is bright. It's going to stand on your bookshelf. You might even want to pull it out a little bit so that it's like, if you catch yourself losing yourself, then you're like, okay, hold on a second. The messages will come back. But where, where can people start when it, when it comes to going deep that where they don't feel like they're either going to get 
so far gone that they that um, th- that they can't get back to the things that they they feel they need to be working on at that moment, and, and yet they get the they get that one percent benefit that then can lead to two and can compound over time. Right. Well, many of us see going deep as um, like a Pandora's box. Right. And and if we really stop and take a breath, sometimes we're stressed out. Sometimes we're uncomfortable. Uh, sometimes we're feeling anxious and no one wants to feel that. So there's a tendency to not want to go there. Uh, a couple things. First off is that meditation has been great for a lot of people. It doesn't have to be an hour or 20 minutes or 10 minutes. It could be just five minutes waking up and sitting on the side of your bed and just reflecting on your day and choosing that you want to live a positive day with a sense of gratitude. Uh, taking a walk in the middle of the day at lunch, a half hour. Um, around the block and taking in the sights and just reflecting that way uh, is another way to go deep. Uh, Going to the gym, I find that just putting on my headphones and doing my elliptical, uh, I can go deep just in reflection, just stopping, stopping the monkey brain, the worrying that goes on. See, one of the problems is that many of us live in the past So we're constantly revisiting old stories and old mishaps and things that went wrong, and we worry that we're going to repeat them. Other people live in the future, so they're constantly thinking about what do they need to do, what do I need to anticipate, what am I worried about, rather than sort of living in the present and just allowing yourself to focus in, for example, Mike, on this conversation. Mm -hmm. I got plenty to do. I I just came from a bunch of meetings. I'm going to a bunch of meetings. But right now, you and I are in a conversation, and I've got to focus myself. That's really about going deep. Uh, And there are lots of practices in the book. What we try to do in the book is to give you some practical tips, give you some big ideas, and also give you lots of examples of people who have done it from all walks of life. Because conscious really is a deeply human approach to personal change. And it lays out these four powerful lessons to help you accelerate yourself and your organization. Well, it's interesting because as I was going through the book, and preparing for, I had other interviews two weeks ago, and I'd already gone through the book. And one of the things I decided to do is I noticed that when I was taking notes while ch- while chatting with a with a person I was having on the show, is I was disengaging from the conversation. Not intentionally, it was just happening by, okay, let me make sure I get this, let me add that link, so on and so forth. And I felt, now maybe you, the listener, didn't feel this way, but I felt that the podcast was suffering as a result. The quality was... was, And so what I did was I made a conscious choice to say, you know, from now on, when I'm sitting and having a conversation, I'm sitting in this this more comfortable chair. It seems like I'm having coffee with with you right now, Bob. I'm actually drinking my coffee and sitting and chatting. But then, then what I'll do is I'll go back and listen to the conversation afterwards and make notes after the fact. Now, some people would say, well, Mike, that's not efficient. But to me, productivity isn't about being efficient uh, for the sake and losing the, the sake of, of uh, you know, effectiveness in the process, right? It's about, okay, what makes sense? And in this situation, the extra half hour that I'm going to take to listen back to the show is going to pay off in, in spades. So there's a, there's a small example of, of where that can, where that can come into play. Now, before we, we go, Bob, it, you know, you've, you've talked about 
the the book and you've got a body of work too um this book is kind of like is is it the end is it the culmination or is there more to come because uh, you know as you go through and again the introduction of the book kind of lays the groundwork and and i said okay so this is the this is the final book in the series but i'm sure going through this book you became more no pun intended aware that there's places that you can go beyond this right well, it's a it's a good question. Let me I'll answer that in one second. I just want to lay out the other three practices. Sure. One is to think big, and this is really all about being curious and adaptive, and it involves sort of getting up on your own drone and looking at yourself and looking over the horizon. And really, effective people are able to think in today and think in tomorrow, and that enables them to perform today and transform for the future. Uh, another aspect of thinking big is to develop a Google mind, a mind that is constantly learning, like the search engine of Google. And they say that learning agility is probably the most important quality of all. And so how can you cultivate that mind? And then lastly is really developing a network, an ecosystem of relationships, and they enable us to continue to expand and our horizons. And so thinking big is the second practice. Getting real is really about being authentic and intentional, what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And in the book, we lay out um, a set of accelerators, things that drive us forward and hijackers that undermine us. And so it's really important to understand that. And then lastly is to step up, to be bold and responsible uh, in your life. And we lay out four or five strategies for that. So let me come back to your question. It's uh, a really good question. I've written eight books and the last two, I think have really summarized my leadership. And I've sort of pulled the best of that thinking into the last two books. Uh, the one before conscious was grounded and grounded makes the point that we grow up in a leadership paradigm that says that what you do defines who you are. And the first thing we do when we go to a party is we say, Oh, what do you do? What do you do? But in fact, it's much more important to start with who you are and that who you are as a human being drives what you do and how you perform. So the very best leaders were grounded or rooted in six roots, their physical health, their emotional health, their intellectual health, their social health, their vocational health, and their spiritual health. And this provides a foundation. It enables you to stay grounded when all the winds of change are sort of rumbling above you. Conscious, the second book, the most recent book, helps you adapt in this constantly changing world. And we see that grounded and conscious are like two sides to the same coin. Right. So what we're doing now is we have developed two and three day workshops that we're taking inside to companies and um, we offer them face to face in, uh, in, in workshops with executives. And then we often train or certify in or people who are in human resources or, or in learning and training functions to actually facilitate the grounded and conscious workshops inside the business. And then we've deployed technology with the technology partners so we can bring these ideas into organizations. So I don't think I'm going to write another book for a while, and I'm going to sort of go out and try to scale these ideas and help people at all levels, because ultimately my dream my dream is that we develop grounded and conscious 
workforces, because I think these are the qualities that will help you get ahead uh, as you look into the future. Well, now I've got to go read Grounded because uh, <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. only got one side of the coin so far, but, <laughs> but no, it makes, exactly. that makes total sense though, because, you know, it, it, and, 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 you know, I can think even, even though I've, I've not, you haven't mentioned any of the leaders that are the, the people that are mentioned and grounded at this point, I can already can envision some of them just based on, uh, you know, kind of where they've, where they've gone with, with their businesses and their lives based on who they are and what led them to what they do. So yeah, that's maybe, I got to have you back on the show to talk about that at some point. Well, it's interesting because, um, there are thousands and thousands of books in each of those six areas, physical, emotional, and, and lots of, thought leaders and experts in those areas, but we don't show up in silos when we come to work or come into our families. We show up as integrated, holistic people. And so we show up with our physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual selves to work. And so Grounded is really like a, an integrated leadership system that it really talks to the individual uh, about who they are. And it's amazing when you put those roots in front of people, people just love to talk about their humanity. And I think organizations are crying out for these kinds of conversations because the work is getting harder and harder and the burnout is getting greater and greater. And so we need to create a kind of a valve to let people talk more openly about the human side of life in business. Bob, this has been great, and uh, I highly encourage everyone to pick up this new book from Bob uh, and Emma Kate Swan, who is also uh, – Emma was – she co-authored this with you, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. she's in the other room, and uh, she's working on uh, uh, a couple of the workshop designs that we're doing in the next couple of weeks, and uh, she's been wonderful to work with Australian and brings a unique perspective and has done a lot of work globally, and uh, uh, it's a treat to work with uh, – uh, it's great to be yesterday. We gave a speech to the chief learning officer conference and, uh, uh, it was great keynoting it with a woman next to me and we could talk about these things. We talked about gender differences and it was really fun. Awesome. Awesome. The book is called conscious, the power of awareness in business and life. And I'll also link to grounded as well, because like you said, I think that these are two books that, uh, w together will give you a real, uh, real good, like you said, it's the two sides of the same coin, help you function in a world or in an age of acceleration in a world that's def definitely deep in that era. And, and Bob, thanks so much for taking the time today. Where else can people find your work online? Uh, they can go directly to healthycompanies.com. Thanks for joining me today, Bob. You bet. My pleasure. And there you go. That's how the podcast went down. Big thanks to Bob Rosen for joining me on the show. You can pick up Conscious, the power of awareness in business and life anywhere that fine books are sold, Amazon, all that fun stuff. Uh, but yeah, again, just a great conversation Honestly, one of the ones that that I, I really like when I listened back to it because we recorded this interview months ago, I was like, wow, you know, we had a really, really fun time chatting. And there's a lot, a lot of ground we cover. We can cover even more. I'm sure that Bob and I can definitely talk more and more about this in the future. Maybe we'll have him on the show again. If you like this episode, you want to see Bob on the show again, a rating and review of the podcast will definitely help with that. So again, whether you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, leaving a rating and review not only helps John Polster, my producer, and I make the show better, but 
it also helps people discover the podcast, which is super important for listenership. And just, you know, we can help more people with the productivity insights and ideas and uh, all that stuff that we share on this show. So again, leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show. And if you don't want to miss a single episode, we've got lots of great episodes uh, coming up, then make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to your podcast right now. Big thanks to Connie for putting the show notes together. Big thanks to my producer, as always, John Polster, for keeping me honest and moving forward and conscious about making sure this podcast is uh, coming to life each and every week. And thanks to you for listening. And big thanks to our sponsor, Gantt Pro, who sponsored this episode of the show. Again, I encourage you to check out Gantt Pro. I'm looking into Gantt charts a lot more these days, and Gantt Pro is how I'm doing it. Use the coupon code TIMECRAFTING at checkout when you go to gantpro.com. That's G-A-N-T-T-PRO.com. And again, that coupon code is TIMECRAFTING. When you check out, you'll get $50 off when you sign up for Gantt Pro. So again, big thanks to Gantt Pro for sponsoring this episode of the Productivityist Podcast. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.